Thank you for coming to the podcast, Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com, featuring our interview with Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, is brought to you by Human Weapon Clothing. Human Weapon is a no-nonsense MMA clothing brand that lets you support and show off the sport that you love without looking like a walking tattoo sleeve. They have good, clean graphics on high-quality shirts, and you no longer have to look like that guy down the road who trains UFC, bro. So head on over to humanweapon.com and use promo code FLOW, that's F-L-O, to get 15% off your very first order. Human Weapon brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA, and it starts right now. Combat's Top Turtle MMA, and I have the pleasure with speaking to Abdul Razak Al Hassan, fresh off of his performance of the night victory over Sabo Humasi at Alt or at UFC 220, rather. Uh, Abdul, let's get right into it. So you you kind of uh, stood over the top of Humasi after knocking him out, uh, and it seemed like you were saying a thing or two to him. What were you saying at that time? I wasn't really saying anything, and uh, I was just screaming at him. I wasn't I wasn't really saying anything because um. At that time, my blood was boiling, you know, um, you know, everything was high and stuff like that. So I just started screaming at him, like, what now? So it wasn't, you know, um, because before the weigh-in, at the weigh-in, when he shook my hand, he started saying stuff to me. And then he told me, you better not feed on me. Don't feed on me. You better not feed on me. You see? So when he said that to me, that really kind of got me and it made me really upset. So, um... After saying that, and then when when I actually knocked him out, and that's when I was like, "What now?" You know, um, like I was trying to come get back to him, telling him, "You telling me not to fade, and you're the one on the ground now." You know, something like that. Mm. So you know, you you uh, you were willing to take a rematch with him after you know, kind of a controversial first finish, but a finish nevertheless when you got a win. What was sort of uh, the the inspiration behind taking that match and not just moving on? Um, the, the inspiration behind it because um, you know, one, you, you UFC is your job. It's like a job. When they tell you to to do a job, you just go in there and do the job. You know, you just take a fight. Um, one, you cannot complain. And then two, at the same time too, after the fight, I wasn't happy because if you you could hear the boos from the crowd, they felt like the referee stopped the fight too quick. So everybody was booing. So even at the back, I wasn't even happy. I couldn't even celebrate my my win. So for me, it wasn't even though I won, it wasn't really um, a win for me at that time. So when they offered the rematch, it was a good time for me to say, yeah, okay, this is the time for me to show everybody. It wasn't, the referee didn't stop the fight too early, you know. I want to show everybody, hey, I can beat this guy. That's certainly for sure. He definitely did not stop this one too early. Um, So (laughs) this knockout brought you the uh, the five hundred or fifty thousand dollar performance of the night bonus. Uh, I like to ask people who win that, especially right after that win it. Do you have any plans for the extra cash? <laughs> really not really. Just you know, just use um use some to, you know, further my training, make sure, you know, I get the good training that I need to, to improve as a fighter. You know, um just make myself better. You know, if I have to, if I have to go to other um, you know, training camps or other places, you know, to, to even get better, you know, just to improve myself. Stuff that I wasn't able to, you know, get myself for my equipment or training stuff, you know, I'll be able to get more to help myself be a better fighter in the future. Absolutely. And so I, I don't know if you're a you're an avid TV watcher, an avid sports watcher. 
Uh, but you made SportsCenter's top 10 plays as the number one play of the weekend, which MMA pretty rarely gets. Uh, did you happen to see it? And if you did, what were sort of your reactions seeing yourself on such a large scale like that? Yeah, I saw it. I saw it. Uh, my coach actually saw it and then told me about it. And a couple of friends also saw it. And then they sent me a text message right away. So I went I went on TV right away. And then the hotel we're living in was also showing it right away. So, you know, it was kind of it was amazing. I was really happy, you know, to, to, to finally, you know, there's not a lot of people. People do not know me. I'm, I'm nobody. And then for me to, you know, just get this knockout and all of a sudden see myself on ESPN was it was really amazing. I was really happy, you know. Not just me, but all my coaches were all happy, you know, to see something like that. That for somebody like me who came from Africa, never thinking something like as this big or as good will happen, and you know, just God just opened the way and made something that you didn't even think would happen just happen. And so I was, I was very happy. You know, I was very happy. Yeah, and I, I kind of wanted to, to touch on two things you said there. So let's let's first start with your coach because you you've mentioned your coaches a couple of times. I know you work with Stephen Wright, who's a big striking coach. Uh, was that uppercut yeah. that you hit there based on something that you saw from him, or was that something that you guys were drilling ahead of time? Um, it's something I saw from him, but we also drilled it in, in practice a couple of times. Um, in the beginning of, um, after we took the rematch, in the beginning of the, the camp, it's something also we worked on a, a little bit. Um, but at that moment, I, I I saw it. So that's why I threw, because I threw an overhand right before that. And I saw him um, throwing his head to the other side. Anytime I throw the, um, the upper, um, overhand right, his head goes to the other side. Mm-hmm. So that's why I timed the um, the uppercut, and then it just hit me, hit him at the right time. Perfect timing too. And then the other thing I wanted to touch yeah. on there was that you know you, you mentioned that you're you feel like a nobody. You're originally from Ghana, uh, and for somebody from Africa to get the opportunity, I, I know that you and some of the other uh, UFC fighters from Africa have met at things like the Fighter Summit. Did you get a chance to watch Naganu's performance and sort of what was it like to to see the first uh, you know African fighter getting a title shot in the UFC? It, it was amazing. You know, anytime you see an African brother like that. It was really amazing. You know, I saw him. Um, you know, I was pumped. Kamaru was there. We were all there to support each other. It was just amazing. You know, seeing one of our own, you know, get close to the belt. Even though he didn't get the belt, we know one day he's going to come back and get that belt. So, seeing him to that, being the first one to get to that place was really amazing. We, we were just happy no matter what. You know, we were just happy to see him. But we didn't, we're not happy about the outcome of it. But, you know, we're still proud of him and happy about him, yeah. about that, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I have, I have the same feeling about, you know, obviously he's, he's far from being done and, and you're definitely going to see him near the top again. I, I want to touch basically For upon sure. something that you said there, too, about that, you know, the three of you sort of having a connection, uh, all being from Africa, all being uh, UFC fighters, sort of. What is the uh, the the way that you guys connect? I mean, you're all training from different places at this point in time, but yet you all seem to have each other's back. Mm-hmm. What, what's that been like, and sort of how do you keep in contact with all of them? Um, well, we you know we keep in contact all the time. We just message each other here and there. Um, you know, um, ask how each other, um, how we doing and stuff like that. You know, Kamaru and I we've known each other for a long time. You know, we've been friends for a long time. Um, way before um, he got into the UFC and way before I even got into the UFC. So, um, you know, for us, we, we are like brothers, you know. You don't have to be blood, blood, you know, have the same blood to be brothers. But for, for, for us, we see each other as brothers, you know. We call each other brothers because we're there for each other if we need, 
if I need advice, you always advise me. I call them, you know. I send them a message. We always advise, advise each other. Anytime we see each other, we just, you know, we, we hang out. We have fun, you know. We talk with each other, you know. So it's just, it's amazing, you know. Yeah, it was amazing. that's absolutely awesome. And the, right, right before the fight, yeah, right before the fight, um, I saw Kamaru, and Kamaru just talked to me, gave me a little advice, and I cannot tell you. During the fight, I could hear his voice in my head. And that just calmed me down, made me fight, you know, calmer than I usually fight, you know, so I, I was happy. Well, that that's actually absolutely awesome to hear. I, I love hearing stories about uh, fighters, you know, from even the same region coming together like that. Uh, I, I kind of want to end this thing on, on finally getting Hamasi sort of behind you, because, you know, your last two fights have been him. You've pretty much dedicated, you know, almost half a year just to preparing for two different fights against him. You're now three and the one in UFC, yeah. and uh, what's sort of next for Abdul Razak al Hassan? What are, what are we going to see next on the horizon? I hope it's something big, you know. Um, I hope it's something big. I'm not the kind of person that calls people out, so I'm not going to call anybody out, but I really hope they give me somebody who's going to put me at the top, too, you know, uh, at the top um, like everybody else, you know. Um, so I hope it's something good, and I hope I get back in the ring very soon, you know. I don't mind getting back in there in, like, a couple of months, you know, so... Um, I hope they give me somebody that can push me up there. Yeah, well, you you certainly didn't take too many bumps and bruises in that fight. Uh, once again, this was Abdul Razak Al Hassan, fresh off of his performance of the night victory over Silva Hamasi at UFC 220. Uh, Abdul, thank you again so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Uh, no problem. Thank you. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you for you know interviewing me and stuff like that. So thank you. <laughs> And that interview was, of course, brought to you by Dead Frog Brewery. Dead Frog Brewery is a Canadian craft brewery right next to Vancouver where you can get high-quality craft brews with no pasteurization and no preservatives, just good, clean beer. So head on over to deadfrog.ca and check out what they've got for you or head to your nearest liquor store and pick some up today. We, of course, are Dave and Dan with Top Turtle MMA on flowcombat.com, and that was Abdul Razak al Hassan. What would you think, Dave? Uh, I loved that tidbit you got out of him about uh, Kamar Usman kind of telling him, you know, good luck out there or what have you, and it keeping him calm throughout the fight. I thought that was awesome, both of them being, you know, African fighters. That's just kind of a cool, cool moment there. Yeah, it, it's re- really cool how uh, I think, you know, he said Usman and him were friends before um, sort of meeting at the Performance Institute in that whole fighter summit, but... Um, you know, getting to meet Naganu there and Mark Diacasey, and it seems like all of the African fighters have really pulled together as kind of like a brotherhood of fighters who like understand the struggle of coming from a country that doesn't have a big MMA back or a, not a country, rather a continent that doesn't have a big <laughs> MMA background. Well, it's almost perfect for our top five discussion today, Gumby. Don't you think? Funny how that works out. I mean, it really actually yeah. was coincidental timing, just that we you know were able to get. Uh, Abdul Razak on on the horn right after his big win, but we're going to be counting down the next country to come up with a champion, and it's just so, how do we say, apropos, because when you go back to UFC 220 and you look at the co-main events, you had Volkan Ozdemir and Francis Naganu, first-time challengers, guys who really have made you know huge names for themselves in a short span of time. Ozdemir is Swiss, Francis Naganu is from Cameroon. Cameroon. By way of France, and you know it would have been huge for those two countries to to have a UFC champion. And what got us discussing this whole idea of a top five to come up with the top five countries 
who can get the who can get a champion who've never had a champion before, right? Because America's had a million, Brazil has had a million. Michael Bisping represented England. Um, Conor McGregor, obviously, for Ireland. But there are other GSP countries in Canada. Joanna in Poland. Yep. All that. All that, right. And so that's that's where this countdown comes in. And, you know, before we get into that, Gumby, everyone at this point, I would hope, you know, knows what happened at UFC 220. Obviously, wrestling was the talk of the day because that's what Stipe implemented to tame the beast and outlast uh, Francis Naganu and obviously Daniel Cormier putting on a clinic versus Volkan Ozdemir. But any quick thoughts uh, just about those two uh, before we get into our top five? No, I, I just think, and this kind of plays off of something uh, Abdul Razak Hassan said in our interview, is just kind of that idea that Francis will be back. You know, I, I could give or take Volkan Ozdemir as a potential champion or a potential tighter challenger ever again. But, like, Francis had a lot that he could learn from at that point, and a guy who's only been doing MMA for, like, four years. So, so knowing what he probably picked up there, knowing what his weaknesses are, I think he's going to learn from that. I think you're going to see him again, and that that's just really my only take away from uh, from what was a really exciting fight card. I, I think it brought out everything the uh, as we say in the pro wrestling fandom, the smart marks were wondering about Francis Naganu, and that was what does he look like in deep waters? Because we hadn't really seen it. Obviously, I think it was Curtis Blades took him to the second round, right? And that's the fastest or the furthest yep. he had been in a fight. And then what does he look like off his back? Something we had never seen before. And Stipe was the one to test that. Here's the good news for Francis Naganu: there aren't a lot of wrestlers in that division. Who knows if Kane is really going to be back for a sustained period of time? Um, so yeah, you know, it's a little scary. I think uh, it came out on Joe Rogan's latest podcast that apparently a little inside info francis fell so in love with striking he didn't practice any wrestling apparently you know whether you believe that or not heading into this fight that uh seems like a very poor choice and i'm sure if that is the case he learned on saturday night that um that is a huge part of the game especially when you go against someone like stipe so he's got all the potential in the world it'll be interesting to see where he goes from here yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I buy the whole he wasn't wrestling because, you know, I, I've talked to him twice. We've interviewed him twice. And both times he was talking about the jujitsu and wrestling he does. I do think he probably put more emphasis on the striking. And I, I think that that's a better – I mean, obviously it doesn't give you the storyline and the headline that all the websites want, which is what Joe Rogan said. But I, I think it's probably more likely that he didn't put as much focus on it, probably could use to put more focus on it. But I, would, I think it's crazy to say he didn't train it at all. All right. Well, I am so excited. Let's get to this countdown. I love our countdowns. Last week we did who was the top five fighters with the potential to pull a Vulcan Ozdemir, go from unranked to a title challenge in under a year. And now we will go with a country that has never claimed a UFC champion, that has never had a UFC champion, and we're going to count down the top five with that possibility. Little criteria I do want to note is that we are counting Robert Whitaker as New Zealand, because that is where he was born. I know the UFC likes to market him in the Australia marketplace. It's the bigger marketplace. It's where more of the population is. But uh, he is not Australian by birth, so we do not consider him Australian. So with that criteria out of the way, let's start with number five. And the number five country that Top Turtle MMA believes can claim a champion soon is the country of Wales. Tell us about Wales, Gumby. 
Well, I, I like Wales as an option here just because of uh, there's a little bit of volume here from Wales, and I think you're seeing more and more prospects too. So Brad Johns obviously would probably be the closest one we're talking. He's ranked like 12 or 13 at Bantamweight. He looked really good recently submitting Joe Soto, who's a, a tough out. On top of that, you got guys like Jack Marshman, who uh, has looked decent at 185 and yet to debut, but already signed to the UFC, is the white Mike Tyson, John Phillips, uh, who's a pretty legit prospect in his own right. So you've got three guys already from Wales, all three of them decent prospects. You also got guys on the regional circuit like Jack Shore, and it just seems like Wales is a hotbed right now for creating good MMA talent with Cage Warriors and Bama and companies over like that, where they can get good exposure and good training partners. So I mean, when we were trying to come up with a fifth one, it was it wound up getting a little hard right at the end, and we had it between two or three ones, but Wales was the one for us, uh, I, I was, based on volume. I, I was out. just about to bring that up, right? Like, let, let's just talk about it right now. Our honorable mentions were, you have Argentina with Santiago Ponzinibbio, uh, Puerto Rico, we weren't really but sure. nothing really after that. Uh, nothing, right, nothing after that, not the volume that we're speaking about with Wales. Then we talked about is Puerto Rico, I mean, you know, it's a territory of the United States, but obviously Jimmy Rivera's there, and then Cuba with one, Yoel Romero, who, listen, he, he might make us look foolish in three weeks. Cuba might get the next title, when he goes out and beats Luke Rockhold, but we decided, hey, we're both picking Luke Rockhold in that fight, so we felt confident not picking Cuba because there's no one else there. We tried to come up with countries that are now, you know, becoming, they're going into the business of producing MMA fighters. So we'll move on. Yeah, and vo- volume plays. Volume, right, exactly. So we'll move on. And number four, speaking of volume, South Korea, go. I actually think this is the one on our list that has the most volume. You have uh, both Dong Hyung Kim, Stun Gun and Maestro. You got Korean Zombie. You got Kyung Ho Kang. You got Korean Superboy. You've got some pretty awesome prospects. I mean, Korean Zombie has fought for the title. Uh, you know, Du Choi is probably like two close decisions or one close decision and one knockout away from being a top five guy. Kyungo Kang is kind of underrated. He's only 29 years old, um, but he just picked up another win. I want to say he's like 3-0 and in the UFC. Uh, and Jong-Gun Kim hung around the top of, of 170 for quite a while. So I, I think you've got a lot of guys on this list, and I think we would probably even be ranking them higher if it wasn't due to the mandatory two years of military service that we keep losing South Korean fighters too. You know, Kyung Ho Kang just did his two years and had to come back from that. Yeah, I, I, that's exactly what I brought up to you. I was a little worried about you know calling calling them uh, a potential. You know, obviously Japan was in the mix as well, another Asian country with a high volume of fighters. But when we looked at it pound for pound, you know, the military thing factored into it. But we did think that the South Korean fighters just had a little more potential than what we're seeing being produced right now in Japan. Uh, but, you know, that all being said, I, I think it's a safe pick at number four. Um, we'll move on, and now we're going uh, back to Europe, and we're going to Sweden. What do you think of Sweden, Gumby? Uh, I think Sweden's actually one of our lower-volume plays, come to think of it, because, you know, when when I think of Sweden and I think of challengers, I, I think Sweden's only got, like, three or four people in the UFC. I know they got Alexander Gustafsson and Ilar Latifi, and those are really the only two we're talking about right now. Latifi's about to fight OSP, and with a win, he would really put himself in like the top five to seven at light heavyweight, where his countryman already sits in the top five, uh, which is Alexander Gustafsson. So it's kind of like an all chips in at light heavyweight. Do I think Ilar Latifi's a future champ? 
probably not. No. Do I think Alexander Gustafson has a good shot? I think probably yes, and I think that's more what we're leaning on here. Um, they also see Scandinavia also seems to be just producing a lot of people right now. I mean, no, some of it's Norway, some of it's Finland, but like it seems like Sweden has turned a, a better leaf than the other two. Yeah, I mean, I think this is all about Gustafsson, right? I, you know, he had a close fight with Cormier, a uh, very good fight uh, two years ago. I think if he rematched with Cormier. Uh, I think he has a good shot at taking that title. So I'm confident in Gustafson. Do you, like you said, is Alir Latifi a future title challenger? Would I, you know, put the life savings on uh, Latifi as a future champion? Absolutely not. Uh, but you know, it, it's like you said. I think the region we tried to go with places that we think can continue to produce good fighters, and uh, and that's really why we like Sweden. Anything else uh, on Sweden? No, I think that's it. I mean, you can honorable mention like some of the Swedish fighters we didn't talk about. Like, I think Nico Musoke is from Sweden, but I think he's like one in three in the UFC. Yeah, no, I thought they had someone else who was three and oh. I'm, I'm, I have the intern looking it up right now, but um, it, the bottom line is they're producing fighters, and, and yeah, that's exactly. why we like them at three. All right, we'll move now to number two, and now I think you you know much like last week, there was a very big jump from three to two and then two and one were pretty close. And I feel it's similar here with our top five countries countdown. Number two is Australia. Talk to us about Australia down under mate. Australia has got a ton of options, but the, the four that I outlined is sort of the best options. Megan Anderson is number one, uh, just because she's in that division that has three women in it total. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and, and, you know, seemingly she's about to get a title shot. Um, do I think she's going to be Cyborg? Maybe, maybe not. Um, she's probably one of the more dangerous people Cyborg's fought outside of Holly Holm. Um, and then you also have a couple of light heavyweight and heavyweight options there in Tai Tuivasa and uh, Tyson Pedro. Both of them are super young. I want to say both of them are 25 and under. Um, and, and really, really, really good knockout power. Tuivasa is 1-0 in the UFC. I want to say Pedro is 2-1 or 3-1 with only a loss to the aforementioned Iller Latifi. Uh, and then you got a guy like Jake Matthews, who's uh, in one of the lower weight classes down there at 170. Uh, but he is himself is very young, too. He's only 23 or 24. So I like how young Australia is with their options. You know, it seems like everybody's, you know, in the 25 range. And as a result, that that gives them a lot of play and gives them a lot of chance to to pull out the title. I want to step back to Sweden for a second. The other guy I like from Sweden was he's coming off a loss uh, via TKO to Jack Marshman, the aforementioned. But that's Magnus Sedenblad, who is um what is he here? He's five and two in the UFC. No, he's four and two in the UFC. So again, just kind of speaks to the caliber of what's coming out of Sweden. So just want yeah, to yeah, I step forgot back. about Sedenblad. That's a good one. Sedenblad's a tough dude. Yeah, I, I knew there was one other guy that when we were going back and forth in pre-production, as they say, uh, that I wanted to bring up. All right, so now can we move to numero uno? Yeah, I, I think we can move to number one. I All think right. number one is pretty obvious for for the the people who are out there. <sighs> okay, so it's almost crazy when you think about the fact that there has never been a champion from this country. There are a million fighters from this country, and one of them, a favorite of this show, just happens to be maybe fighting for the real lightweight title in a couple of months. Could be an interim. Who knows? Who cares? It's a great matchup, and we of course are talking about Habib Nurmagomedov, and we of course are talking about our number one country that about to claim a champion and that is mother russia yeah it's kind of crazy that they don't have a champion right belarus has got a champion (laughs) um 
but Russia doesn't. So there's a Belarusian champ, but no Russian champ. And I think before somebody adds us on Twitter for this pick, I think maybe there's a Russian tournament champ, but we didn't count tournament. Uh, did Olag Takturov? I'll look. The intern's uh, looking yeah, that up right UFC, now. He won UFC six. Okay, there you go. Over Tank Abbott. Yeah. So I, I don't think we counted him. No, no. Um, to be fair, we're talking yeah, gold, baby. The titles. Yeah, if we're talking about the real title. So, uh, Khabib is an obvious pick. Yair is a obvious pick. And as long as we're talking Wait, about... Wait, did you just Ra- say Yair? Oh, not Yair. I'm sorry. I meant Zabit. Zabit, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or Zabit, or however you say his name. Um, but he, the, it, it, while we were talking about volume plays, God, is there any more of a volume play than Russia right now? I mean, it, it feels like there's 400 guys that the UFC could sign tomorrow if they wanted to. I mean, uh, ACB, the the promotion out of Russia, seems to be promoting uh, really, really well at the present moment. And they, I, I feel like the UFC could sign half their roster right now. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a no-brainer pick. So let's just recap here. The next country that can claim a champion, and God do I hope Yoel Romero doesn't make us look foolish in a couple of weeks and, uh, and win. But here we go. Number five, Wales. Number four, South Korea. Number three, Sweden. Number two, Australia. And number one, the one we feel the most safe about picking, they will claim a champion sometime in the next couple of years, and that is Mother Russia. Uh, How do you like our top five uh, countries that can claim a champion, Gumby? Uh, it was really hard. Uh, you know, people think that it's probably easy, and, and definitely hit us up on Twitter, at TopTurtleMMA, if you disagree with any of our picks. But coming up with that fifth, fourth and fifth one were really, 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 really tricky because, like you said, uh, if you want to count Puerto Rico as a country instead of a uh, U.S. territory, you've got Rob Font and, and Jimmy Rivera there. Uh, it, you know, if you want to count you know, Cuba, because people are close. There's a lot of countries with one close. I mean, we could have picked Cameroon thinking right, uh, that Ganu could come back. Yeah, that's a, I, I thought about that, actually. No, that's a great point. And, uh, and Usman, too, right? I mean, he's yeah, a... Yeah, we could have picked Nigeria for Kamara Usman. We could have picked Ghana for Abdul Razak al I mean, like, there's a lot of places with one dude who could probably be like, well, they'll be next because they've got one guy. And you know what? Maybe that's the next country that's going to do it is going to be the one with one guy. Uh, But yeah, we're sort of hedging our bets here. Yeah, trying to go with ones that actually consistently produce fighters. All right, so now we will move on. There actually is a UFC this coming weekend, uh, UFC on Fox 28. Uh, It does a fine company sponsor our breakdown of this event, Gumby. Absolutely. Uh, the finest mouthguard on the market, Sisu Mouthguards, sponsors this UFC breakdown. Sisu makes the most lightweight, breathable mouthguard on the market. You can talk, you can breathe, you can drink, all with the mouthguard up in your mouth. So head on over to sisuguard.com. That's S-I-S-U guard.com and get the mouthguard that's right for you. All right. So we are Top Turtle. We like to count things down. And we're going to do a top three of the fights that we're excited about and that we think you should be excited about and might even want to put a little money on. On this coming weekend, UFC on Fox, uh, headlined by Jacare versus Br- Derek Brunson, and that's one of the fights we are most excited about. The main event: you can get Derek Brunson as a plus one thirty-five dog, Jacare a minus one fifty-five favorite, and uh, Gumby. Who are you going with? I- I'm going with Jacare. Uh, there's still a part of me that believes Jacare is a future champ here. Uh, his grappling is just really, really good. When it comes time to counter a guy who's going at him really, really, really hard, like Derek Brunson, you would imagine, is just going to try to, like, swarm him. Jacare is a guy who deals with that well. Um, and I think, you know, he already has a win over Derek Brunson, first of all, back in Strikeforce. And on top of that, you know, like, 
to me, I just think he's got more tools. I think he's got better grappling. That overhand right he landed a couple of times, you know, during his long winning streak, you know, bodes well for him if he can avoid a big swarm from Brunson and land that that overhand right. He could win this by knockout. He could win it by submission. He could win it by wrestling him up a little bit. You know, I, I think Jagger has just so many paths to victory here, whereas Brunson's is swarm him and hurt him early yeah it's very interesting to me because you know Jacare's coming off the loss to Robert Whitaker obviously Brunson has a loss to Robert Whitaker as well the champ um so this is a this is going to decide who stays towards the top of the pack and potentially pulls up with a rematch for Whitaker assuming that Whitaker is still the champ who knows what's going on interim title coming up in two weeks they're saying Whitaker's very sick with a staph infection but uh yeah I think this this is the fight that if Brunson loses I think the luster goes off him as potential future title challenger he's going to stick around to that five to ten ranking um and you know if Jacare loses I think that'd be a mega setback in his career he'd be on two losses in a row and three out of four right Yes, because of Yoel Romero and kind of a close decision, but yeah, you're right. Yes. So, you know, and an older guy as well. And then mm-hmm. middleweight is not light on, you know, really quality fighters. It's a good division. It's a very tough top of the division. The mm-hmm. former champ, Chris Weidman, coming off a big win over Kevin Gastelum. He's on a and comeback Gastelum trail. Coming up, and Gastelum coming off a win himself over Michael Bisping. This you got is- Eric. You got Eric Anders about to catapult up the rankings if he beats Machida. This is a very crowded division, and this is a great main event because it's almost, I mean, I hate to be dramatic about it, but it's its going to be career shaping for one of, the, the, one of these two fighters. Don't you agree? Yeah, it's time to chitter, get off the pot for both of them. All right, so we'll move on. Uh, we have, I, I'm really excited about this fight. You have Dennis Bermudez, minus 155 favorite, taking on Andre Touchy Feely, the plus 135 dog. Who you got? Uh, I'm going to go with Dennis Bermudez. Uh, in addition to being a friend of the show, I, I just think Andre Feely's biggest weakness now in his game has kind of been exposed that he's not that good of a defensive wrestler. Uh, and when you think about what's good about Dennis Bermudez, it's his offensive wrestling. And so, you, you know, when when I'm breaking this fight down, do I think Feely could stay away from it for more than, like, I don't know, three minutes? E- even that's a stretch to me. Um, when you think that Andre Feely got kind of out grappled by Kelvin Guitar at points, or Kelvin Cater rather, at some points, you know, like, not that Kelvin Cater is not a good grappler, but he's not the power wrestler that Dennis Bermudez is. And as a result, I just kind of think Bermudez is going to out wrestle Feely. And, and he kind of hinted at it too when we talked to him on the show that he knows Feely tries to strike from distance and he's just not going to let him do that. Uh, I can't disagree with anything you just said. We're going to move on, and this is our third and final fight that we're most excited about, and we hope you get excited about. And this is an interesting one, because we're actually going with the largest favorite, uh, or a fight that features the largest favorite on the card, and that's Mursad Bektik, a minus 620 favorite, <laughs> to go to Fredo Pepe, the plus 460 dog. But what makes this so interesting is Bektik is coming off a devastating loss, really, to Darren Elkins. Uh, you know, it's one of the best comebacks in UFC history, if you ask me. If you haven't seen that fight, go back and watch it. But now he is the largest favorite on the card. Godofredo Pepe, you know, he's he's Pepe. What can I say? He has a win <laughs> over Andre Feely with a fr- flying triangle. Um, wins over, uh, you know, Node Lahat. Uh, but I, I don't know. I just, I find this fight to be interesting and uh, maybe one that could produce... 
uh, an upset, but what are you thinking about it? Uh, I think Bechtig is rightfully a favorite. Do I see him as a negative 600 or 625 or whatever you said to favorite? I don't, and right. the reason is is because... It seemed like in that Alkins fight, which, by the way, is the greatest comeback in the history of MMA, <laughs> um, it seemed like in that Alkins fight that his inability to put Alkins away, like, permanently, seemed to break him. And and that's uh, it's such a fucking overused term in MMA, to break a fighter and things like that. But Bechtick looked like he was, like, just, like, shocked that he couldn't put him away. Pepe can be put away, so he could do that. But if he doesn't, I can see him getting into the late rounds, being shook by the fact that he can't finish a guy twice in a row and winding up getting caught in something like a guillotine from Pepe because Pepe's subgame is real. You know, like, like you said, flying triangle over Andre Feely, that's some crazy shit. But he's also got a really good guillotine choke, and he's got all kinds of different subs from weird spots. So I, I could see Bechtek getting exhausted to the point where Pepe might be able to pull something out. I wouldn't count on it. No, but I mean look, to be clear, we're going Bechtick. with Be- we're going with Bechtek. But what jumped out to me and why we picked this as one of the top three fights, the minus six twenty seemed a little aggressive. Yeah, especially coming off of a loss where, I mean, he dominated the shit out of that loss, but a loss that that could make or break him mentally mm-hmm. as a fighter. Well, we'll we'll find out. It's it's a not a bad fight card, you know, coming off UFC two twenty, it's UFC on Fox, it's Jacare versus Bronson. Check your local Fox providers. I'm not here to get you your local Fox station. You guys should know that. Come on now. Age of the internet. All right. So this has been another episode of Top Turtle MMA. Gumby, is there anything else you want to plug, say? I don't know. So make sure that if you do disagree with our countdowns of either the three most exciting fights or the next country with a champ, make sure you hit us up on Twitter. You can hit me up at Gumby Vreeland, and you can hit the show up at Top Turtle MMA. Also, if you don't want to make that shit public, you can feel free to email us at the show at TopTurtleMMA at gmail.com. Boom. Well, we cannot thank... All our sponsors enough, Dead Frog Brewery, Sisu, Human Weapon Clothing Line, I am David Tremonti, he is Daniel Gumby Vreeland, this is Flo- This is Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and we'll be back next week. Thanks so much for listening.